Hey, it's me. Just waiting on Slaney to get ready. I guess he's just pulling into the driveway. He's going to be a couple of minutes behind schedule. And I uh, figured I'd get rolling ahead of time. Try and pep myself up before he actually makes the phone call because I am not feeling myself. Wow, it just like hit me like a like a brick wall when I got home today. Like I, This week hasn't been going too poorly. Fine, I guess. And then all at once, I was like so ready for this week to end. And part of it is because I always have a little bit of traditionally inverse seasonal affective disorder when it gets extremely hot, and it has. I, I find I just get drained by it. Uh, and by the way, that's why the windows are open in the studio. So if you hear uh, road noises, hopefully that enhances the audible experience we'll only have to stop down and repeat ourselves if like a harley goes by or something which happens now and then here aloft in dartmouth somebody's got a noisy tailpipe anyway how are you how's your week i never ask you i ask slaney how's your week i haven't asked you in a long time oh maybe this is going to be tough maybe i can't <laughs> pep myself up <laughs> maybe i need the context of a good old show show to do the trick. By the way, we're going to try some new gear yet again to get Slaney's audio quality uh, a little better. Not that his has been so bad using like the AirPods on his end, but he and I are still physically distant and we probably will be for a long time. And if I can get him mic'd up at his place, we can we can do it this way for the long haul, man. Um, but I, I got, I did a lot of research. I, I, I got him some gear and I'm, I'm set up at his place as well now too. And we tried to do it last time. Couldn't figure it out. We're going to have a mulligan, uh, here with episode 160 of the show. But you know, if we can't get it, we can't get it. Um, we're going to keep doing them. Um, although we didn't do it last week. And as a result, we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. It's so weird for like, what, 12 weeks there has not been a whole lot of pop cultural news to discuss other than how pop culture has been impacted by the pandemic. And ugh, man, we got a whole list of stuff this week. And, and and some of it's pandemic related. Some of it's just, hey, the world's changing fast and Hollywood better keep up. And so we're going to try and uh, blast through some of that. Actually, one of the shows we're going to focus on tonight also is part of a greater cultural discussion. So that's timely. Kept those weeks where, where nothing went especially wrong, but you just by the end of it feel like, oh my God, what is happening? I guess I guess I'm having one of those. I, I didn't even realize that I was, but you know, like a, a lot of entombing oneself in a little radio studio and just kind of screaming out a void. Maybe it's exhausting uh, for just me. I mean, everybody has some version of this. Um, and I think that we're all entitled to be a little expired by it. And that's a cyclical thing. Like, I think we're so um, accustomed now to this, God help me, I'm going to use the phrase new normal, that we've even gotten past the novelty of like checking in on each other. Um, but maybe we ought to keep doing that because, you know, try as they provincially might to reintegrate some normalcy or some past world normalcy. Uh, it's not really. There's just, there's just chaos. So... Um, and, and, and just our, in general, our, uh, incessant media diet of this chaos, um, not nutritious, not good for us. So, so that's what's happening. I think, uh, I can only speak for myself, but if you find like 
the week hasn't gone uniquely poorly, but you have the feeling like it did, it's probably just uh, time for vacation. And that, that makes perfect sense because here we are in summer. Can you believe it's summer? Hey. Hey, does my mic work? I can hear you. Hey. Hey. That's amazing, man. Spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I had to, man. I'm so hot. I own one tank top similar to the one you're wearing. Uh, yeah. Four days not unlike today. And in fact, I last wore it on Saturday, which was plenty hotter than today. Um, yeah. And I just don't have the confidence to wear them. I look fine in it. I, I look normal in it because of the conditions. And I'm just like, oh, these big loaves of bread I call arms are just totally exposed. I don't think anyone's wearing a tank top because they're comfortable with themselves. Oh, I don't know about it's, that. I think there's definitely some look at me's out there in tank tops. Yeah, I guess I, I guess kind of like uh, sleeve monsters. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't know. It's, it's a necessary evil for me. It's not an evil is what I'm trying to say, but it feels like an evil when I try and do it. Like I'm trying to be somebody I'm not, Aww. but it's all in my head. Just go, just go tarps completely off. That would be a, yeah. People like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said that to Jen yesterday. I was going to go for a run. I was like doing this big workout and it had like two, uh, mile runs in it. And I was like, I can run with my shirt off. Right. And Jen was just kind of like, gave me like a smile and like a shake of the head. Like, no, that's a real douchey move. But I was like, oh. But the thing is, you she was can. Like, I'm just being honest. You, you yeah. could. Like, I guess it depends on where you are. Oh, there she is. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Jen. <laughs> she rolled her eyes at me <laughs> as if to say it was a douchey move and you should leave. Have you done any more impromptu half marathons lately? Uh, no, I only have done a 10 and a five, I think since then. That's it. Eh? It, it took a lot of, um, like me thinking that I just needed a lot of time to recover, which I kind of did from yeah. 25. I might try to bite the 40, like the full marathon route. And then like, that'll give me like a feel for it. And then I'll like try to work up to it, maybe. Yeah, please work up to it. Like I know that it was it's kind of amusing that you just like one day decided you and Colin were gonna run twenty five. But like don't just try and run forty two. Oh no. Like I don't like this could be fatal for me. Yeah, you would yeah, you would like break <laughs> yourself. There's uh I've got no pride in this. Like Colin keeps asking me, he's like, So how serious are you about running the full? Because I'm like ninety percent. And I'm like, I'm like 77%. Like I I know we can do this. I'm feeling it. But like training in the summer is also a different thing where it's like you know, it's so hot. There's a you charming need to wake up at like five o'clock in the morning. A charming movie on uh Amazon Prime called Britney Runs a Marathon. I watched it. It's a good movie. It was great. Yeah, she's very funny in it. Yeah. And it kind of does like it gives you a little bit of uh, motivation to be like, oh well Britney can do it. She she pulled yeah. herself up by the bootstraps. I can probably achieve something. Totally. I didn't find that movie predictable either, which I, I love. There it, was some twists and turns. that. Interesting also that it's based on a real person. They show the real Britney over the credits, and you're like, oh, well, you don't look like the mess that Jillian Bell is portrayed to be. <laughs> no, I think they embellished quite a bit there. I saw her also, um, the same actress, in. I watched Sword of Trust. 
Okay, what's that? Well, it's a Lynn Shelton movie starring Mark Maron that they made last year. Oh, right. And it's one of those movies that they didn't have a script for. They just improvised all the dialogue, and it's she's in it, and Maron's the star, and he owns like a... It's a really quirky premise. He owns a pawn shop, and these two gals come in um, with a sword that they claim proves that the South won the Civil War. And the movie's just about like oh. trying to... Um, verify that to like this cult of people that believe the south won the civil war and it's just kind of like a a kooky almost like a like a like a kooky road trip comedy but without the road trip if that makes any sense yeah you're just kind of like getting a a view of a certain type of person from a certain area of the world that you otherwise wouldn't see it's pretty funny what have you been watching because we haven't talked in a couple of weeks and there's actually so many things that we can cover pop culturally whoa um you know what? Not a lot within the last week. Um, I feel like after we finished Space Force, uh, we watched the other two, which was amazing. We finished that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've, we started watching uh, I May Destroy You, but I'm not fully caught up there. Um, otherwise, Jen's just been watching like New Girl reruns. And um, I watched a Robin Williams documentary. Was that a bummer? Like, no, no, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a new documentary coming out on HBO called Showbiz Kids, and it's just about like child stars. The trailer came out today, and it, it features Cameron. Oh, that's going to be a bummer. Yes. It features Cameron Boyce, who died last year, and it's got like Mara Wilson, who turned out inexplicably normal, and um, who's the kid from uh, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation? Anyway, that guy. Oh, uh, Will, Will. Will Wheaton, yeah. So a couple of them are actually like pretty uh, rational, level-headed people, but I think it definitely explores how this is a a crazy, crazy thing that we make kids do, star and stuff. Yeah, totally. Did you finish Love Life? We watched that. Yes, sorry. Love Life was was a real bright spot for us. We we loved that. It was good, right? I'm not really sure why, because this kind of feeds into the conversation we can have later about I May Destroy You, but like we have been so heavily saturated in the last decade plus in um, prestige like dramedies about some person whose life is kind of a mess, but they're creatively charged. Basically what I'm trying to say is like um, Lena Dunham birthed a litter and there's a lot of shows that are like this, but I guess Anna Kendrick is charming enough for the show not to be too depressing. And I wonder if that's what it is. I just found it was so, subtle where it needed to be and so um dramatic where it needed to be yeah that like the whole thing that the 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 ultimate ending is very much like and this was her person and they yeah. didn't know it at the time but this is the way it was and this was who she would be with forever well, I think they kind of missed an opportunity to, and I realized that she ends up with this guy and you like him and every, he was also the guy from uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity, kind of plays yeah. exactly the same guy in it, honestly. Totally. Um, I, I kind of figured they were going to twist it and at this point she has a kid and then she was just going to say, yeah, you know, we got together, but like the love of my life is this child. But they kind of subverted that too. And maybe that's for the best. Totally. And, and we both thought that it was going to end up being Augie at the end. Like that seemed like the really predictable move. And yeah. I was happy that they just like, totally diverted from that yes although augie he is kind of redeemed in the end too like they just kind of decide he's not he's not bad 
He's a good guy. And she even feels that way. She's like, oh, we're just not working out. But like they co-parent together and that's all good. Um, But the guy worth talking about is Nick Thune's character who, I mean, I'm sure that's a real guy. I know it is. In fact, we've all heard stories about this real guy existing, but like they, they didn't even try and make him like a little sympathetic. Like once he went from being like perfect boyfriend to being a terrible boyfriend, he was a monster, like so sketchy. He had like one redeeming um, line when she was talking about her mom, who ends up being redeemed in the end too. Right. But like her mom, you know, seems to like not really care about her, is very kind of like um, self-absorbed. And he has this whole line about like, you know, maybe she's like a magpie. Like she collects the shiny things and you are the shiniest thing ever so she wants to you know own all of your accomplishments and as a result kind of like try to guide you and give you that advice and i was like oh well that's really sweet that's sensitive yeah but after that like sharp like decline so emotionally manipulative and terrible oh and then there's that other episode that that kind of takes another weird turn where her friend has a total meltdown like with drugs and alcohol 100 i loved that it was a good episode but it was a it was kind of a tough watch like it was frustrating and sad totally and i i love the way that they portrayed that friendship in general like she they didn't see each other for like years she got sober she like heard about it but wasn't you know obviously some relationships were broken and then it kind of gets brought back and that's where she meets her her new man that shows a one and done right there's no uh effective avenue for them to do a season two they are doing a season two i know but like what does that mean how is that possible it's gonna be anthology like you discussed oh okay so we get like emma roberts or something to do season two i think that you end up getting like daniel kalula or something Oh, interesting. Like he's going to be like the main character for season two. That would actually be very effective for his uh, celebrity, you know, create something that's a little more grounded, a little bit more accessible so we can learn to like Daniel Kaluuya as like a a charming personality type. Right. Well cast. Yeah. Thanks. What about uh, King of Staten Island? We didn't talk about that. Did you watch it? Watched it. Loved it. It was great. Yep. Yeah, and it's so interesting because if this movie had come out 10 years ago, I would have I would have complained that it's just another on a long line of Apatow movies that are too long and, and not as funny as you hoped they'd be. But like, mm-hmm. I think I'm older now and I've come to accept that those are the movies he makes. And like, so now that I know that that's what it is, and this one had the built-in um, element that we knew it was going to have some, some dramatic facets to it, and we knew yeah. that it was going to be kind of like a, a feely movie. Um but I love that it's long because it's just be kind of it becomes a good hang. I didn't even really find it that long. Like I just enjoyed the watch. I think it was um, also kind of subtle in the way that you know you you expect everything to get super wrapped up. You know, like by the end, he's like working at a tattoo shop or something. But he's not. He nope. like his it, he's just kind of like found the thread of discipline that he needs in his life. And That's right. I, I think that's kind of the the point of the story. Yeah. Well, what did you think of uh, Bill Burr? Because everybody wants to talk about Bill Burr for obvious reasons. Like he's he's as it turns out a great dramatic actor. Yeah, I thought Bill Burr was was really great. Actually, um, I 
I thought he was great, but I, I more of like really appreciated his um, insight and his, his talking about it on podcasts after the fact. Like, I don't think Pete has really done any. I think they kind of just put Bill Burr out there to do all of the media for this movie. And Judd did a lot of press for it. Judd is like, Judd. he seems to be right. the the non-celebrity figurehead of all of his projects. Like he goes out and does talk shows when a new season of Crashing comes out more than Pete Holmes does. Right. So he did, um, He and and his daughter was amazing in it, Maude Apatow. Yes, although that's maybe my only uh, plot hole criticism of the film. She just kind of stops being in the movie. Like, I, I loved the two of them together. And then the last we see of her, she gets frustrated and she just, like, goes back to school. And I I kind of hoped, like, there would be some kind of boil-over moment where she... Because you know how the whole movie, she's she's nervous that she's going to have to come home and rescue her brother? Like, she, she kind of yeah. hits at it a couple of times. She's like, please don't hurt yourself. Like, she's aware more so even than their mother that he is fragile. And then she never actually has to fulfill that... Um, that mandate or maybe she doesn't like doesn't want to bother checking in anymore like she's like do your own damage dude like that's sad it is sad but uh, like i know of people who you know need to take that plane with siblings because it's like okay what like you're gonna rob a convenience store yeah and I, like what am i gonna do uh, i'm gonna get tied up with you like no you made your own bed and I just like that he was kind of like he had to solve it on his own. Well, Pete's a movie star now, and his next project uh, is with, with his fellow Staten Island SNL alum, Colin Jost. They're together going to star in a wedding comedy called Worst Man. Yeah, I'm interested in this. And that's all I know. You can kind of piece it together from there. Like, it seems very plausible that <laughs> right. that probably... I would Col love if Colin Jost was the worst man. Well, I, that would be a really nice subversion because you're inclined to think like he's the got it together kind of handsome guy who's getting married and his best friend from childhood's a screw up. Yeah. Uh, that's probably what the movie is. But if they were to go in another direction, I'd be open to it. I think so too. I like, honestly, don't you almost think they need to? <laughs> no, I don't think they need nah. to do anything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, but that sounds okay. We, we didn't talk about the Oscars yet. The Oscars got uh, bumped two months. Did delayed again yeah. yeah well they also uh changed the qualifications yet again so now and this is kind of relating to uh the inclusionary let's try and uh uh put our money where our mouths are in terms of uh not being uh racist <laughs> um, right. they uh from now on best picture will always have 10 nominees and this is like uh, like a paltry offering a small effort in hopefully um qualifying and nominating more movies featuring people of color because they had a rule and i i know they use the preferential ballot for choosing the nominees for for best picture um and that means it can fall anywhere between five nominees and ten and usually it is around eight or nine from now on it'll always be ten so that your moonlights can actually get into the top ten and maybe win best picture nice and they're, bu they're bumping in two months i know that Theaters are opening up in Europe, and Tenet, so they're opening up on July 8th, yep. and Tenet, coincidentally, comes out on July 8th. Man, Christopher Nolan really wants us to die for his movie, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Which, 
if there's any movie that I'd be uh, willing to die for, no, I'm okay. just joking. <laughs> I, uh, I I would love to see that. Though. Do you think it'll make the VOD in in the U.S.? It would be such Black a shame it. to see this movie on VOD, wouldn't it? Like, and and I'm coming around to the idea of watching more movies at home, and I'm a theater goer, but like that's clearly. Not to be irresponsible with my words, but that is clearly a gotta see it on the big screen movie. You know what? As a guy who got a 65 inch HDR TV, I'm like so down for him to just like for me to pay 20 bucks, especially after King of Staten Island. I'm like, I'm so okay with watching a movie at my house and just like, okay, this is going to be a $20 addition to my cable bill but it would also be a 20 dollars addition if i went to the movie theater and we can just eat our own food and like totally prep and pause it as you please i mean is. there's a big visual yeah. difference between tenet and the king of staten island the, the next the next movie you have this option with is irresistible john stewart's new directorial um installment yeah i just found out about this yesterday yeah stars steve carell Did and rose like- Byrne. Did he drop this on us or was this a long time coming? No, I mean, I definitely knew it was it was in the works because I remember hearing that Steve Carell's going to star in Jon Stewart's new movie and that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But his first movie was kind of niche, right? It didn't really, it wasn't um, accessible in Hollywood enough for most people to have seen it. Um, Death to Smoochie? Jon Stewart directed Death to Smoochie? <laughs> no, Jon Stewart was in Death to Smoochie. Oh, I'm talking about his his directorial efforts. Oh, okay. so, I didn't yeah, know he, he was in Death to Smoochie. Look at you dropping yeah, all the Robin he, Williams bombs tonight. He would always mention that in, uh, it, I think it was Death to Smoochie. I'm like 99% positive. Uh, he was always talking about it on The Daily Show when like people would talk about like Hollywood actors and stuff. And he'd be like, and I was in uh, Death to Smoochie. <laughs> I mean, we all remember Death to Smoochie. Although, what was that movie yeah. about? He's like I a kid. I have no idea. It's like a kid's I think entertainer. Like a, a Bernie style entertainer that something Goes happened crazy with. Crazy yeah, or something. He has like. It's, I honestly. Because I think it's like Taxi Driver, but he's Barney instead of a taxi driver. And it was made in like 2000. 2000 yeah. Maybe 99. The, the latest. Like I was going to say the 90s, I think. Anyway, do you think there's going to be any um, sense in bumping the Oscars two months? Like, is that going to make all the difference? They're not going to be able to crowd the friggin' Kodak Theater. I just feel like, like sports, it's going to be such a asterisk year for the Oscars. Yeah. Although, like, no one's going to remember it. No one's going to be like, oh, 2020, that was the year of COVID. So that was why King of Staten Island won Best Picture. Well, and it's also, like, it's not like you win an Oscar in 2021 and down the road, someone's like, you have an Oscar. That's amazing. And you're like, yeah, I won in 2021. And they're like, Oh, and they go, Oh, Oh, well, never yeah. Mind. Yeah. They, you sort of have that's, an Oscar. That's not that going to happen. <laughs> that's true with the Oscars. I just think it, it's kind of a wash, but with sports, it's like, Oh, they won in the strike year or, Oh, they won in the whatever year. Like that. That's not quite the, so the uh, speaking of sports, hockey's definitely not coming back, right? Like everybody in the friggin' league has coronavirus. And I heard that's true of MLB too. <laughs> no, I think as of right now, there's a schedule for literally like every sport league. Okay. All right. Weird, weirdly, because yes, conversely, everyone in sports is getting sick. Yeah, it seems that way. Although NBA is still pretty clean and they're going to do the and Disney World thing. They're apparently doing the Disney World thing, which seems like also a little ill-advised. They, the only thing there is they want to do the bubble system, but there's going to be like cooks and like house cleaners and 
all of these people coming in and out, I think, unless they're bubbled within and get stuff taken care of. Like if everyone is bubbled within for two months, then they'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guess we'll find I'm saying out. this like you need to make the decision. <laughs> okay, well, watch this transition. Maybe the NBA will be at Disney World while they're in the midst of re-theming Splash Mountain, which was announced today, is going to change from a Song of the South theme, which is famously Disney's most racist property ever, zippity-doo-dah. Yeah. Uh, they're going to re-theme it to Princess and the Frog, which is kind of sorely missing in the pantheon of good modern Disney princess movies. Sure. And it's also an easy yeah. transition because it takes place like in the bayou. And honestly, once it happens, no one's going to go, oh, I just missed the old one. Like, it'll be two years from now and people will be like, what did that used to be? Well, they're smart, honestly, just to kind of keep this quiet because there would be people who would say, well, I'm never going to Disney World again, even though they've never seen Song of the South and it's nobody's favorite Disney movie. No. Um but that's like the world's most famous flume ride, I think. And it should right. it should not represent this incredibly racist film. No, it's true. And I don't know if there's any like, I'm not sure if there's any like racial issues with the ride itself. No, I just think let's not remember this the film. Fact, yeah, if the movie yeah had the, those, those themes, then yeah. Okay. Well, as long as we're on that subject, that is kind of an all-encompassing bracket, which covers a few of our pop cultural things this week. Notably, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who was announced to be hosting the Emmys, although I think that remains to be seen right now because he's kind of a question mark, pop culturally speaking. He very quickly after that announcement uh, shared with us that he is going to step away from his show, perhaps not indefinitely, but until at least after the Emmys. So he's not just taking the summer off. Jimmy Kimmel Live is not going to happen for many months, which is unusual. He insists there's nothing wrong health-wise or whatever. Some people speculated he was getting a divorce, but there were actually like Molly divorce jokes in the episode he announced that. So I think that's probably off the table. It might have something to do with the fact that people have been prodding him about the the blackface thing. He yeah. certainly has not um, addressed that in the same vulnerable way jimmy fallon did um but i don't know what we're looking at with jimmy kimmel right now i also don't know why he's not being more um uh transparent about it because he's been that way more so in the last couple of years now people are digging up man show clips which are unflattering oh yeah yeah those are the most unflattering i don't know why it took so long like when the me too things were happening like the man show what is the ultimate um like they ended the show with girls on trampolines yeah i've never seen the man show i mean i gathered that it was probably not not so great well it's him and adam carolla like adam carolla let's let's you know just agree that he's clearly not the most woke person if you listen to anything that he's on he's uh no but jimmy kimmel really seems to be like your pseudo essential like woke liberal hollywood guy now Yes, most so in the last like four years. Yeah, since Billy, especially since his, his yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tina Fey also under fire. This is not a person we thought would be under fire. What? Why? Well, it's very interesting. She did the noble thing of asking all streaming services that uh, are licensing 30 Rock to remove the episodes of 30 Rock that 
feature blackface. The problem with that is it just drew attention to the fact that there are fucking four episodes of 30 Rock that feature blackface. And they were only made like 10 years ago. From who? Jenna? Uh, or... John Hamm definitely was in blackface at one point. What? Um, I don't know. I think maybe Jenna. I don't, I, I, I don't know. But four of them is pretty bad and then that kind of fed into another conversation where people kind of clicked in and realized you know tina fey isn't really very um fair to asian culture in mean girls either which is true now that i think about it wow and so she kind of she kind of like raised her hand to do the right thing and it it really just like shone a spotlight on her many misgivings which are misgivings it does make you watch things in a different way and you see them now and you go like, oh my, like, why was I okay? I was okay with this because it was in a thing and like it made it seem like, okay, I'm in on the joke. Like this is, this is we're our, all good. This is our privilege, man. And I think in, yeah. the, in the case of 30 Rock, you know, not dissimilarly from... Tropic Thunder. The joke is, wow, isn't this offensive? Like I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they have at least that much perspective. That doesn't right. make it their right to make that joke. There was a there was a Pete Holmes podcast where they were talking about like one of the first lines in the hangover is paging Dr. F. Yeah. Like slur. A gay slur. And again, so, not not an old movie. No. No, like that was like the first movie Jen and I saw when we were together. And I think I told her that. And she was like, they say that? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's like the first thing. And then there's another line by Bradley Cooper on his voicemail where he says, leave a a message, don't text, that's gay. Yeah. Which is is also dumb because like they're playing 30-year-old men in that movie. Like I'm not excusing anything that, that doesn't age well in Superbad, for example, but like at least in Superbad, they're playing high schoolers who say horrible things in real life. Yeah. And that movie is also not that old, and there are certain things in it that you should not have in a movie. But, like, they are playing grown-ass men in The Hangover. And I guess the premise of The Hangover is that they're um, bad people, <laughs> especially Bradley Cooper's character. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Although he's, like, he's supposed to be, like, a high school teacher, yeah, end. but that's the ju- that's the juxtaposition that he's like a total right. dirtbag who's a high school teacher who doesn't care. Yeah. Uh Netflix is getting the Chicken Run sequel. So somebody's working for you know how it takes forever to make um stop animation movies. Somebody's been working yeah. for 8 years on a Chicken Run sequel and it's going to be on Netflix. And it was going to feature uh Mel Gibson as a voice actor. But he got the boot this week after it came out that in 1996, he looked Winona Ryder in the face and called her an oven dodger. And so now people are as, as if as if we didn't know <laughs> your mouth is agape. As if, you didn't need to tell me anything. All you had to say was Mel Gibson got replaced. And I'd be like, OK, based on the history, that makes sense. Yeah. And then, then we have this yeah, new incredibly offensive thing he said. Granted, a long time ago, but like, it's just so interesting to me that they're like, okay, now we're going to cancel Mel Gibson. Like, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. You knew he was an anti Semite and a monster. You know what? If I ever met Judd Apatow, I would talk about how at the Spike TV Awards, he accepted an award from Mel Gibson, who was on stage with a Viking hat who had just lit this like big pyrotechnic thing off. And he came up and was like, I'm so pleased to be receiving this award 
from Mel Gibson, who just <laughs> lo- lit a huge fire behind me as a Jewish person. Like, this is amazing. That's pretty ballsy. I don't remember that. It was happening. awesome. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. Do you remember like four years ago when we nominated Mel Gibson for Best Director at the Oscars? Yeah. For Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, for Hacksaw Ridge. Which, which no, like, nobody cares about that movie. Yeah. I wanted to die hard for Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, pivoting a little bit. Crystalia. Oh, my God. This this news shocked me. Did and it then really? I, I realized, well, kind of. I mean, was there a lot of evidence prior to that that would make you think no i mean maybe it's maybe it's a bit of a hacky joke to be like well i mean it's always the ones you most expect because he looks kind of sketchy right it is yeah and confounding and the weird the the you thing like the fact that he's like he played exactly that guy in you and workaholics well the work have you ever seen the workaholics episode no oh my god his whole thing is that he's a he's a essentially a, a pedophile like a rich pedophile who says like no like no i'm not a pedophile i just i just like like little dudes oh wow <laughs> and he's like talking like it's very like kind of and and you i remember finding it funny when i watched it and now i look back being like oh my god even me finding that funny seems so regrettable well in you it's exactly what he's accused of he plays uh like a marginally famous like um mr cool guy who like has inappropriate texting relationships with like young girls, like 16, 17 year old girls. And then something really shifty happens. And so like, it's amazing that he'll play this part and not go, hang on. Are they saying this is wrong? (laughs) I mean, I guess he knows it's wrong, but like we've all seen the texts. Like that dude is guilty of what they're saying. They have the receipts. And the guy like has never drank or done anything to alter his consciousness at all. So he was completely above board at all times. Like, Have you seen the clip like, of him uh, learning how Snapchat works? No. Like there's a clip where he's on some podcast and they're talking about Snapchat and he's like, well, wait, how, how do they have that Snapchat video? I thought Snapchats disappear. And they're like, oh no, you can save them. And then the camera just zooms in on his like eyes getting wide. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> oh my God. And Ansel oh. Elgort got it too. Baby Driver's becoming a pretty difficult watch. Yeah, I I saw his I saw his like apology, his like quasi apology. It sucked. And the the first comment was like, "Okay, rapist." Yeah, yeah, and I know. I was like, "Whoa!" Not not that I'm like looking for these people to be redeemed. I'm definitely not. But it's kind of amazing. In the last couple of years, PR teams for celebrities haven't perfected the celebrity apology yet like we still haven't had a good one (laughs) they're all bad no it's true you're right it's like i'm sorry if i hurt this person i I, like the person i guess who who uh did it right was dan Harmon. yeah i guess i don't remember he wasn't like his he wasn't sexually abusive he was just toxic in terms of a workplace he was just not a like a good leader and he was a bully no, but there was a specific like Me Too moment oh. where he um, he would he had been asking this like worker of his out, and oh. she made like a big post, and he immediately came clean and was like, I don't know, he just like was like, yes, this is 
completely wrong. I did do all of this. Okay, and, I stand corrected. But, I mean, it's good that he did that. I'd need to know a little more context, but yeah. yeah you just, should read the story. Okay, it's, I, I will. It's wild. I think that's all of like the scandal stuff I have, but there's lots more like interesting casting news and stuff. Christine, uh, Kristen Stewart is going to play Princess Diana in Spencer from Pablo Lorraine, who made Jackie. And so I guess this guy just makes like biopics about um, people. I was going to say American figures, but she's not American. Uh, Princess Diana. Kristen Stewart, great actor. Most of us feel that way. Uh, hard to picture her as Princess Diana. They do not have the same energy. No. Who would play Princess Diana? Well, Naomi Watts played her a few years ago, and nobody liked that movie. Right. I can't think of who would be the right person to play Princess Diana. It's almost uh, like an untouchable one. Like Charlize, maybe. She's probably too old at this point. Oh, I'm okay with that. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. God, I don't know. I don't know if she has like the angelic quality that you look for. Although they're probably not going to like whitewash this character. They'll probably make her kind of interesting. I hope they do if you're going to cast Kristen Stewart. Uh, Did you finish the Oh Hello podcast? No, I kind of fell off. I kind of lost interest. (laughs) So did they, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they, I don't think they knew how they were going to end it once they started it. I've been listening to, and there's only a couple of them so far, but Mike Birbiglia's new podcast where he like workshops comedy bits with other interesting people. And the first episode's a really good listen because it's Ira Glass. And so the two of them just have like a really high level intellectual conversation about like what works and what doesn't work in some of his new material. Okay. That's a good lesson. Ira Glass, but not like a very comedic mind. No, but an excellent storyteller, right? Sure. And he also like produces all of Berbiglia's stuff. Like they have a a longstanding collaboration. Oh, okay. Uh, Jamie Foxx is going to play Mike Tyson. This is a biopic he's been trying to get off the ground for a long time. Again, obviously that's an interesting person, Mike Tyson. Have you seen Mike Tyson recently? No. He's like trained to fight again as a... 50 something year old and he is an absolute truck of a man like him hitting like you know the 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 little like foam things and like foam body protectors yeah i don't think i could take a single hit without dying well i think that's his whole thing right like he could kill any of us with one hit sure killer like you know uh what's his name iron mike tyson but oh yeah but he's 50 now and he like had gained like 200 pounds at one point and he lost it all and just looks ripped. He's it's insane. But this must be a midlife crisis. A lot of ex professional athletes go through where they're like, well, I still have it. I need to prove that. Um, yeah, I think they do. I think all it'll take is like one fight to be like, okay, like I'm good. I know I can't do this anymore. Kind of like Michael Jordan did when he came back with the wizards. But I think he maybe just wants to see just how fit he can get because everyone's been so, um, complimentary towards him in the last like 20 years. Like, oh yeah, he might be the greatest fighter of our generation, obviously post Ali. He's going to get canceled as soon as he tries to make a comeback. That's true. How is this guy still hanging on? Well, because just certain things fly under the radar. Like somebody was tweeting today about Brian Singer, who like did lose the Freddie Mercury movie, although what a loss. And he's like probably should be in jail for some of his crimes, Brian Singer. And he's not. He's just out there being gross. Right. Uh, I, I still see his name come up sometimes and I'm like, 
what he did something right is this the same guy am i thinking of a, is there a brian song jay or something that i'm confusing him with no like the okay, usual no, suspects brian singer the x-men brian singer the director who's made right. lots of really successful movies and is like unknown uh creeper on young boys uh, yeah yeah okay not same, good stuff same one. elizabeth banks is going to play miss frizzle in the live action magic school bus feature film first of all good casting i'm good with that I didn't know they were making this movie. It sounds high budge. Yeah, high budge enough to get her. Is it going to be like a like a live Dora the Explorer movie? That's or exactly like... what I was wondering. Like, because Dora the Explorer, yeah. it seemed like they were going to do like a big thing with the live action Dora the Explorer, and then it just kind of became like an Amazon Prime movie. It was no big D. Well, let's hope that it's more like a lot like a Jumanji, which was a huge, massive hit. Yeah. I didn't Wouldn't see awesome? either of the the two new Jumanjis, the new Manjis. The first Jumanji was a blast. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one. Is it on the Plus? They're Disney movies, right? Uh it might be. I'm not sure. I haven't been on the Plus forever. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll check it out. Cobra Kai is moving from YouTube to Netflix. It's third Love season. It. Uh, the first two seasons, which are already out, are going to be on Netflix and their new third season. So this this show is still kicking. I think it's time for mm-hmm. me to give it another shot because I kind of, uh, well, I lost my momentum when I, they put up a paywall. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not going to pay for so it. So did I. Yeah. So did I. Uh, but once it's on Netflix, I'll watch that for sure. I I, so. I've tried to continue watching what we do in the shadows and it's it's an enjoyable watch. Mamma Mia 3 is is pretty much confirmed. It's all but confirmed. Uh, Mama 3 uh I was trying to think about well I was trying to think about what good uh, sequel titles would be because you know it was not a good movie people liked it it was what it was it was not a masterpiece but like Mamma Mia Here We Go Again is a fantastic sequel name like that's excellent so what do you call the third one do you call it Mamma Mia Here We Go Again How Could I Resist do you call it do you call it uh, Mamma Mia Take a Chance on Three (laughs) that's good do you call it do you call it Mamma Mia? Thank you for the music, which is boring, but I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Take a chance on three. <laughs> I don't know. I like, Ma- really I like right with me. I like Mama Thria. I'm really feeling Mama Thria. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a bit of a ten percenter, but I'm into it. The whole series is a ten percenter. It's not asking you to. It's not asking that much of us. These this series is my point. That's true. Anyway, they've got. Uh, Seafried said she'd do it. I think they need Lily James. And <laughs> Seafried said she'd do yeah, it. Yeah, she said she'd do it. The problem is they killed off Meryl Streep in between one and two, and she came back as a ghost in two. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to bring her back. Yeah, you kind of need her. She's the anchor, and she's gonna be like Ghosty McGee times three. That's right. I'm sure there's some ABBA song that's up a ghost ghosts ghosts or something i'm sure it's out there this is this is my favorite thing and this is nothing but uh this is just candy uh michael keaton very likely gonna play bruce wayne again first in the flash wb film um and then you know maybe other things as well and the cool thing about this is like kick-ass actor michael keaton has always been so proud of being like the first feature film live action superhero Uh so proud of the fact that he was batman he wants to do it again. And I also think this is just a really great creative business decision on Warner Brothers part. Like, finally, let's yeah, make me excited about your films again. Well, Christopher Reeves must have been the first live action superhero, right? Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Because he was like like early 
80s, maybe late 70s. And Superman. those are pretty campy movies, but I mean, so are the Tim Burton Batman movies. That's fair. Right. But Tim Burton Batman movies surely age better, I think, than the Superman movies. Now, I don't know how this, uh, like, just universally, I don't know how this relates to Matt Reeves, the Batman, with Pattinson. Like, can we have two actors playing this character at the same time? And, like, how do they coexist? Or do they? Uh, like, who exists? I don't think anyone... Who exists in Gal Gadot's world? Which one? I don't think anyone's going to watch any of the versions of Michael Keaton being Batman right now. So, except the old for ones. like the, the WB fanatics. The old ones, you mean? Or you mean the new one? I mean the new one. Oh, I think you're wrong. I'm psyched to see Michael Keaton play old Bruce Wayne. I think we need that. But, but you're going to watch like the WB movie? Yeah, it's like a feature film. I don't know what your problem is. Oh, I thought, sorry, I thought you meant like the dub, dub, WB, like, I mean, like on the WB, like, I mean, not a Warner, yeah, not a Warner Brothers. Are movie. you suggesting it's a B movie? Maybe it is, but I don't no, know why it I, would be. I thought you meant like the WB channel that like the Flash and Arrow plays on, and he was going to play like Bruce I mean, Wayne on one of those shows. The Grant Gustin Flash? Or is this what we're talking about? Maybe he's going to be in the Grant Gustin Flash movie. Are they doing a, um, see, I haven't done my homework. I don't know. I don't even know what the Slash movie is. You brought it up and, and you said it was the WB thing. <laughs> You're so mad. I don't know. You brought so it up. Lost. I'm so lost at this point. My point is I'm excited to see him play Bruce Wayne because I like Michael Keaton a lot. And it's going to be like a feature film movie. It's going to be like yes. in, okay. Yes. Gotcha. Then that's kind of interesting. Okay, good. We're on the same page. Who's going to play the Flash? Well, they already have a WB Flash. His name is Grant Gustin, and it's a very popular TV show. I don't know if they're doing a film with him, or oh, if, okay. or if they're just starting over, in a, like to make a cinematic universe. I gather this is not Gal Gadot Henry Cavill's universe because that the Batman in that was Ben Affleck. So, in what movie is is he playing Bruce Wayne? It's, uh, the Flash, whatever it is. But the but also the WB okay. like maybe it's not WB. Maybe it's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't know why I why I'm pressing you so hard. You on know, it. maybe the problem here, maybe the problem here is we keep saying WB, and what we mean is Warner Brothers. Like, right. uh, Warner Brothers makes those movies, right? And they they have, right. geez, what's his name? Ezra something plays the Flash. He played the Flash in Justice League, anyway. Maybe he's getting a movie, and okay. they're gonna have Michael Keaton sub in for Affleck to fill out that series, which is great. That's fine. Let's say it's going to be Val that. Kilmer? <laughs> because that would be too far. Or George Clinton. But since you mentioned those two Batmans, uh, Joel Schumacher passed away this week. Yes. Damn shame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was a big fan of uh, Batman Forever. It was like one of the first movies I saw in the theaters. It was the first Batman movie I ever saw for sure. I it was bet obviously it, a huge blockbuster. I loved, I loved it the, too. I bet it doesn't hold up very well though. Oh, it doesn't. No, 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 it doesn't. Uh, Val Kilmer, Chris O'Donnell, and uh, Jim Carrey, and Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones yep. as Two Face. That's right. No, it doesn't. It's very, very campy. Tommy Lee Jones famously hated Jim Carrey on the set of that film. Really? Yeah. I do, you know, that. do you know Joel Schumacher? Edward Nigma. Uh, Joel Schumacher claimed to have had sex with twenty thousand men. <laughs> Like, what a legend. Imagine if I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe he did. He was around for a long no, time. It, it, it's such a crazy fact that I. it seems like something I should know. But no, I had no idea about that. 
That was like his big claim. He's like the Wilt Chamberlain of, or like Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, yeah. Of gay directors, I guess. Well, on that note, shall we talk about shows? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. I I can see no better transition into discussing. (laughs) Let's end it right there. (laughs) Go into shows. You know what? I, um, I watched Central Park like almost two weeks ago. And Did you? I watched I May Destroy You just this morning, but I I didn't really I don't I maybe I was like texting too much throughout it or something because I don't really have either of these pilots in my head. I'll let you go first. Okay. Um okay, well I'll do I just watched Central Park yesterday. Okay. Because I didn't get around to watching it last okay. week. So let's do that. This is this is good. I'll cover Central Park. Okay, I don't have a timer with so we'll do the honor system. Okay. Try your very hardest to recap the pilot episode of Central Park in three two one go okay so birdie is a uh violin player in central park he sees this family that um the father is the park um uh uh, ranger not ranger yeah okay um he's got this big bloom festival happening there's also a kind of evil uh trumpian style lady who loses her dog Everyone goes to try to um, find the dog and kind of ruins the park all the while. The mother is trying to um, write a story about uh, the issues <laughs> with, with uh, or not even the issues, but just the fact that this lady lost her dog. And uh, all along, the sun has it. There's a bunch of musical numbers. They give the dog back. And everything's fine, but it seems like a fun hang. I think the dominant question here is, would you want to live in Central Park? Because that sounds shady. Yeah, they have like a little castle. And and I loved how they addressed like, and it used to be a village. And like, everyone kind of says like, that was a dark moment. Like, we don't Yeah, we we gentrified people away. And now it's just this completely manicured artificial park. Right. I thought but, the the like the the aesthetic of it and just like the tone of it is really great. It is a a musical like in the way that like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend like writes original songs every single week and that's really impressive. I don't know how it's going to hold up over time. I have to imagine it's exhausting to create that much original content, but the songs are jams. Like The music was great. Yeah. It was it was like um that whole like own it song. Yes. I've had it stuck in my head for 24 hours. What's the song that the dad sings? It's like his first solo. And by the way, he's Leslie Odom Jr. who plays Aaron Burr in Hamilton. And yeah. he's got his voice is like butter. Well, I think that's the one that we're talking about. The Maybe one it is. Like, I'm going to own it. I'm yes. going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. And my name is Owen. <laughs> a couple of, a couple of Hamilton uh, people in this, in fact, because Debbie Diggs plays Helen, the, the, like the the matronly like lady who's like a lady servant to to Bitsy who's played by Stanley Tucci, and we got a couple of right. we got a couple of Frozen uh, actors in this because Josh Gad is kind of the narrator main character executive producer of the show. Yeah, and Kristen Bell is the daughter. We'll talk about that in a second. And so it occurs to me that the the common actor between the original cast of Hamilton and Frozen is Jonathan Groff, who they for sure tried to get in this show, and I don't know why they didn't yet but that's probably right. coming down the pike. Um, do you want to talk about the the Kristen Bell of it all? Yeah, I will say, I think the, the person who did the music in it is the same person from, it's either Frozen or Book of Mormon. 
it was something that Josh Gad was involved in. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. he's in the, but those things. Yeah. Which is a huge get. And I love the way that Josh Gad uh, voiced some of the lines and had like, it was almost like Rick and Morty where it's like, and, and, and but uh, so, so that's a lot like, you're right. you know, like, like they, I just find that really refreshing in cartoons when they kind of stumble or they're like, but don't worry, don't worry, who cares? And you have to wonder, is it written that way or does he just stumble while he's recording it and they just animate it to suit the recording because it's charming? I think it must be the latter. I think it it's that way, or maybe they just write like stumbles. Like he's a very good, I think, improvisational guy too. Maybe I like him in it. He has a good comedic sense to him. Yeah. Did you hear the Pete Holmes with him on it where he was talking a little bit about Book of Mormon? And yeah. he, he says like, you know, every night I need to like improv like a couple lines about certain things. Uh, and I felt so I feel like that's kind of a strong suit. I liked him a lot. I thought I mean, Catherine Hahn, she's this is her third show this year, by the way, between um, the the one with Jason Bateman and Mrs. Fletcher, where she plays like the empty nester. Yeah. What was the one with Jason Bateman? Um, not Jason Bateman. Oh, Ruffalo. yes, that that insanely depressing one. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she is doing so much right now. She's so good in everything. Like, I think she's, I, she, I think she's like Oscar bound at this point. I've I've always loved Catherine Hahn, and, and in general, this cast is just so good. I mentioned Stanley Tucci. Um, uh, Titus Burgess plays the son, who's super funny. I mean, it's yeah. worth noting. Like, I I love Bob's Burgers so much. I always say that's just a show about love, and this is the right. same animator, so it has a similar kind of comedic sensibility. The family dynamic is exactly like Bob's. They're gonna develop it beyond, but like those kids might as well be Gene and Louise. And well, and H. John Benjamin is somewhere in it too. I saw he was in the cast, but I don't know who he is. I don't think he was in the first episode. Interesting. I didn't notice his voice. He's pretty unrecog he's pretty undeniable. Yeah, yeah, you know it when you hear it. Okay, so a little bit of controversy. Not really controversy, it's actually being uh reported otherwise, but uh Kristen Bell uh plays the daughter in this show, and they're uh a biracial family. So Catherine Hahn's character is a white woman married to the park ranger who's a black guy and their kids are biracial and so in my white person's brain i justified this by well one of the actors playing the kids is black the other one is white that that checks out um but Kristen bell did volunteer to step away from that role she's going to stay in the cast in some other capacity oh and that's good so they're like writing her into something they are and they're going to seed that character of molly to uh, an actor of color, a voice actor of color, which I think is fabulous. Where I get a little bit cynical about this is that it happened like six or eight hours after Jenny Slate did exactly the same thing with right. Missy for Big Mouth. And I think that was genuine. I think what happened is that came out. They announced it about Big Mouth. Jenny Slate's not going to play this character anymore. It's a character of color. We should give this role to someone um, who deserves it more. I, I have this ugly suspicion that maybe the folks at central park were like oh god now we have to well i kind of feel like like um like this must have been hanging over christian bell for the last four weeks especially uh, i read i read something from the character from the creators of central park that said we involved her in the show before we even knew what capacity we were going to so like we wrote this for her and like kind of put her in that position right Right, and that's that's very plausible. I mean, I don't know how involved the people who wrote Bob's Burgers. Like, I, obviously, the animation is the same. That might be the extent of the 
the creative team. It probably isn't. But like they also have a bit of a history of some strange diversity choices. Like, and it exists in this show too. It's one thing for Stanley Tucci to play like an old cranky lady who's like stumpy and stuff. I think I think that's okay. Like that's that's like a, just an old comedic trope. Um, right. But um, like, there's very few female females in the cast of Bob's Burgers. Like the mother and. Like, I'm pretty sure Kristen Shaw is the only actress in the cast of Bob's Burgers. Oh, uh, gotcha. And so that's that's potentially problematic if they're going to follow suit, you know, with Central Park. Right. Definitely. Did you like it? I did, though. I thought it was really yeah. great. Yeah. I watched the second I, I one, too. I. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I uh, I totally give it my ass. I I would watch it. Uh, I'd watch it again for sure. If not. Uh, how many jams were there in the first or uh, in the second episode? Uh, I think just as many. I rem- I watched the first episode twice because I wanted Becky to see it. And so I remember it a little bit better. Um, yeah. But I think just as good. And they continue the dog plot too. Like like the kid, is st- he still oh, yeah. wants that dog back. Right. And I love I love Josh Gad's character. And I think he's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Kind of perfect for him. Yeah. yeah. So the first two are on uh, Apple TV Plus, And one of the few things they do right is give you the pilot for free. So that's like a place where you can watch that. Anyone can watch that pilot for right. free. Um, can you not stream from Apple TV to a smart TV? Because I I don't think you can, and it's super annoying. Well, what do you mean? You have an Apple you have an Apple TV device? I have a well, I have a phone that has Apple TV Plus on it, but I cannot cast it to my TV. Oh, I see. You might have to have an ever. Apple TV to to sync it up. Yeah, brutal. What you can get is like a Chromecast or something. Well, I have Chromecast TV. You should be able to do that. Then you should just download the chrom- the Chromecast app from the Apple App Store. Okay. Yeah, that's what you needed to do. And maybe play it from my phone. Yeah. So how would I play Apple TV and then Chromecast? I think it's TV? I think it's pretty intuitive. I think that if you download the Chromecast app, you can just click pair, and then what's on your phone screen will be on your TV, no matter just what goes it up is. There. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Cool. Try that out. I'm going to Thank recap you. the first episode of I May Destroy You. I didn't read any recaps. I, I'm going to get stuff wrong, and then you can correct me, okay? But I'll, I'll cover the sure. basis. Count me down. Okay. You're going to recap in three, two, one, go. The actress' name is Michaela Cole. She's the creator of the show. I don't remember her character's name. Essentially, she has a writer's deadline. She has uh, agents and some kind of literary notoriety on a small scale in uh, the city of London. They've sent her to Italy to do some like inspo writing. And she really just partied and kind of slacked off the whole time. So she's coming back without her um, her uh, deadlines really met. And she's kind of beating around the bush. She says she's going to meet them tomorrow morning. Um, she kind of blows that off too, goes in. They're very disappointed, but they're kind of accommodating. Uh, she is just a big party kind of slacker, can't get her life together kind of person. She goes out with her friends and uh, the whole episode has been leading to this uh, moment where she gets uh, date raped, I think. I think that's how the episode ends. And strangely, the last shot, um, she you know, has been going about her day not realizing this happens. And then she opens the door to her apartment and it kind of all uh, rushes back to her. And she doesn't have instantaneous um, traumatic response. She kind of just like shrugs and she goes, hmm. And I thought that was an interesting like- artistic choice. Huh. Yeah. Did yeah. I miss any I think, any big any big notes there? Um, there's like uh, a whole kind of like B plot of like her friends trying to bring her out, and meanwhile there's this couple that's like trying to have a threesome, and she's trying to like hang out with 
the man of that couple, but yeah. like not really in a sexual way. And meanwhile, the man has actually like agreed to have um, the 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 girl who seems to be like just kind of coming up to inquire about the threesome through whatever app. Um, he's actually been dating her all along, and the mother leaves, and the mother. Right. the wife leaves thinking that like okay well that girl took off so i'm gonna take off too but then that girl comes back and they're all kind of like texting each other it's a really it's a bit of a weird vibe maybe this is where i fell apart in the show and just in terms of holding my attention they tried to introduce a lot of characters in the first episode yeah i think i would have been better served to just like learn who this person is in the half an hour which is good i mean yeah. they managed to tell a lot of story in a half an hour um, and certainly it's well established that she's she does not have her stuff together. But as I mentioned earlier, we've had a lot of these shows between High Fidelity and and it did start with girls. I think there was even a girl's plot where like she has been uh, bailing on her deadlines and she has to write a book in a day or something. Uh, right. And there I think I think and I didn't watch a lot of Insecure, but we did do it on this podcast. Is there not a thing in the pilot episode of Insecure where she raps? I honestly don't remember. I'm pretty sure she raps at some karaoke thing, and then that also happens in this pilot. I'm yeah, not. I'm not saying it's hacky. I'm not saying that this is not a good iteration of that. That kind of like gritty, um, snapshot show, diary show. Right. But I don't know if this was the one that got me. That's understandable. It's yeah. It's kind of uh, it is kind of tough to follow, and and there's you're almost supposed to be watching stuff that's like I don't know if it's necessarily supposed to be important. Like people kind of like looking off screen at times where you're like we're not seeing the full story here. Interesting. And I think this is all maybe going to come in that. Anyways, the the girl who plays Arabella, uh, Michaela Cole. Cole is like a huge deal, I guess. Yeah. So did you watch Chewing Gum? I did not. Did you? That was her first show. I didn't watch it. No. Uh, and it has the kind of the rare distinction of being a Netflix show that's no longer on Netflix. I don't know. That's just some kind oh. of like a uh, business um, situation, I guess. Um, but that was like her first show. And I don't know if it got canceled, but this is like her new one. And it is critically acclaimed. Like it's getting rave reviews. It's on HBO. People are psyched about this show. And you're, right. you've watched a few of them. I've watched two of them so far. And I do think it's really good. I think in the second episode, they do a good job of, you realize that it, it becomes a, a detective show about someone who doesn't want to have to be the detective, but she wants to figure out what happened with her because like oh, everyone's cool. kind of acting shady. Yeah, exactly. She's, she does not, she goes and gets like a, you know, basically like a rape test done on her and all the emotions of like kind of being like like you know roofie hungover and trying to like sort her life out is all kind of teaming up at the same time meanwhile she's trying to go to her friend's girlfriend's place and figure out what happened there and wow. it's all just kind of a mess and she starts becoming suspicious of her friend that's um that's a better pitch than I actually got from the pilot episode. I think that that sounds kind of interesting. And it the also second episode, you 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 really learn what the show's about. It also explains uh, a little bit better why it's called "I May Destroy You," and I, I'm still not totally filled in on that. But I did kind of wonder afterward: did I miss something where that's it's clearly indicated why it's being called that? 
and, no, and known I kinda necessarily? Wonder, I kind of wonder if it's um if it's her finding out who it is and like I can ruin your life right now. Right. Okay. Maybe. Or maybe it's also a double entendre because it's also destroying her. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I'm not sure. It. I. I thought it was like. It's such an interesting show. Um, definitely like covering stuff, at least in a way that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm definitely very interested to see where it goes. There was one moment where I did pay close attention to the background characters, and it was when she starts to pass out from having been drugged and she's like stumbling out of the bar and she kind of like bumps into a bunch of different people while she's on her way out. And yeah. it's very interesting how they're not reacting in an emergency kind of way. They're just seeing her as like this hot mess. Who as they're a just, super drunk girl. Yeah, yeah. They're just kind of like just trying not to be affected or um, uh, influenced by this tragic situation that's happening right in front of them. And I think that's right. probably an evocative metaphor. Yeah, and well, and it's something that it made me think about it too. It's like, oh my god, how many times have I seen a girl who's like really struggling downtown, and I just go like, oh my god, she's so wasted. Yeah, you know, and Seriously. that's that's not necessarily a, a smart thing to think. Like, I guess my first thing should be like, this girl might be in trouble. <laughs> I should ask her if she needs help. The problem is now that you have enough wisdom to have that perspective, you're probably never going to go downtown. I'm probably not going to see people that are absolutely <laughs> sloshed over their mind. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And if you were to like decide to be a vigilante hero and go and like search them out, people would have problems with that. People as would well. be like, "Why is this guy yeah. paying so much attention Who's to this, this fucking person? guy?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. There's no way to win. And I would try to find one of her friends to be like, "She needs help. Yeah. Go get her home." You know what? I, I can't not give it my ass. It was it was a compelling pilot. I I think I I think it's probably better beyond the pilot. And I think my only issue with it is that I just it felt a little crowded to me. But yeah. She, but she's very interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely give it my ass. Um, although it's one of those weird shows where it's like it's not like watching the first episode of Ozark. Right. Where you're like clearly this is what the show is. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to like keep taking layer after layer off to find out i think anyway i've only seen two episodes but all right well it's, that's... it's certainly not just a comedy no i didn't find it that funny at all no nah. no all right well four no, but it's so light the first 40 minutes of it yeah okay yeah uh will smith will smith uh he's gonna play and i don't i don't know a lot about this but he's gonna play uh the the image of whipped peter um, as portrayed in a famous painting in a movie called Emancipation. This is like a big civil rights movie. Uh, and now there's like a big studio bidding war happening for this movie. Wow. And so maybe this is actually Will Smith starting to take acting seriously. I mean, like other than Concussion, he hasn't made a lot of movies that were clearly like attempts to be something serious. I know he is playing the Venus, uh, uh, Serena Williams sister's father. In a movie. Oh, is he? So he's like really turning things around. He really wants to be like great actor again. He's going for these Oscars. It's, it seems to be that way. But it seems like he's doing the emancipation thing at such an important time. Like maybe this is time that we start trusting. Well, this is honestly why I bring it up. Like I find this, I find this to be a strikingly interesting movie. And honestly, the the tennis movie too. Like I'm here for a movie about a bully father towards sports greats. Like that's right. that's a tale as old as time. These both sound like good films, and 
that in itself is untrustworthy from from a guy who we've we've just grown so used to not trusting. That's true. So do we trust Will Smith or do we go because he seems so trustworthy? That's exactly why you don't trust. Him. I think what I've learned after 160 episodes of this podcast is that I don't <laughs> trust myself. So with that sign off, don't trust yourself. <laughs> don't don't do trust that. us. <laughs> don't don't trust me. That's for darn sure. <laughs> Don't trust us. We don't trust ourselves. <laughs> that would be a great sign. The sign off of every great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> After giving opinions on things for an hour, for and, an half, hour and a half. Don't trust us. We don't trust ourselves. <laughs>